Chapter 37 High Consciousness We risked the fate of T. Hammond's body again and again, and now I was a lone human carrying the bag labeled Quality Drugs, with the cat fast asleep inside. Do you know the way? I've heard rumors about a magic door, said Cicero, but I've never found it, otherwise I would have left weeks ago. There was a way, but which way was right for us? I dedicated every fiber in this body to this opossum's guidance, and now my lord was unsure. How had he been certain of our path if he couldn't find the way? I'm fairly certain it was a door, said Cicero. It has to be around here somewhere, because it has proportions caused by magic. Now where did they put it? Magic? Is that what this was, after all? Even these walls were magical, because they'd been vibrating with my footsteps. A sense of mystic wonder mirrored my mind when the walls absorbed each thought that passed into my brain, as if I was projecting each new idea across thin air. Oh, how could it happen just like this? Poetic and intense. Of course, these visuals were not impossible, but it was improbable to my senses. Was everything connected like this all the time? My hand touched the walls, and I felt the magnetic vibration rattle through my body. You're right. There is magic around these parts. I felt the sound wave rattle up through my chest into my head through the metallic door. The whole hallway was in tune when I fell to my knees in order to express my gratitude. All these walls, oh, they've been holding up such a strong shelter above my head. How grateful I am for you. We've shared our nights together, but today, in this moment, I forgive all of you. You were there above me, beside me, all along. And this floor, of course I won't forget you. You carried me when I couldn't carry myself. There were so many others who came before us, and after so many steps, you've never complained even after we cried in your corners. You grounded us the whole time, and how have we repaid you? Let me be the first to say, we appreciate you. Yes, the door was a portal of sorts, said Cicero. Transportation to another dimension, I presume. It was all happening right here, right now. I had no doubt that my path was always the right way. Cicero was pacing when the kitten started playing, and now she leapt out from the duffel bag and began to prance. Oh, this life wasn't so serious at all. She chased after Cicero where a short race transpired. It was all just a game, a good bit of fun we'd forgotten all about. The kitten was so joyful, and there'd been a tremendous amount of suffering in her life already. All those major disturbances are twice as potent at a young age. She deserves this peace. Go play, kitten. Cherish this moment while you have it. She jumped again, so high that her paw touched a small circle on the wall, causing an orange button to glow. The bright orange dot held my attention as it illuminated the wall. It reminded me of the days when Collie Jack would reach down from the sky and shine her light into my cell. I'd wait for her magic every morning, and then after every restless night, she'd come back. And was it all a coincidence? I think not. What if every single moment comes into fruition for a reason? Oh, I think so. A door split in front of the great metal wall opened into a small room. A miracle, said Cicero. The animals and I poked our heads into the silver box. Yes, I'd been here before. A transportation mechanism where energy jerks us around through space before we get placed. I've never been this far, said Cicero. And look at these buttons. Each one takes us to a different world. Be careful now, said the kitten. We want to go the right way, so don't go picking the wrong one. A wrong way and a right way. Well, which way was it? No, I disagree, said Cicero. There's no such thing as the wrong way. There is the way forward, and each choice brings us along a path. 
Even a mistake is there to teach us a lesson so we keep moving forward. Only when we understand the lessons can we become free. Now go on, Amokli. Pick the way because you can't go wrong. The door jumped and began to close when the two silver doors came together. The kitten and I jumped inside the gray box, but Cicero, watch out! Go on without me, said Cicero. I'd rather die a legend than live in an illusion. Watching in horror, his paws reached together to hold the door open, but the walls closed in on him. Melting and warping, his tiny arms buckled against his ribs, ready to slice his body in half. Know that I was never lonely, yelled Cicero. I was loved and I lived well. The door squeezed around his fur, and the door retracted. Cicero, you're alive! I always knew I was special, said Cicero, taking a deep breath. Nothing can penetrate my coat. Then the legend is true, meowed the kitten. He stepped inside, and it was awfully quiet, so silent and still, because neither the kitten nor I had seen a miracle before. Now what? asked the kitten. The way, said Cicero. You have to pick. That's why God gave you the choice. There were twenty-eight buttons labeled by numbers, but what if one choice changed everything? What if suddenly the number nineteen lit a bright orange and the room began moving? It's a sign, said the kitten. It's happening right meow. T. Hammond hadn't touched anything, and there wasn't a word from Ma to object to this new path. Everyone had taken note of the strange occurrence as it brought our box into motion. She's right. It's working, said Cicero. The mother knew we'd be here, and she's guiding our way. I watched and waited as the numbers counted up above the door before we arrived at the nineteenth gate. The door spread open, and a new wave of energy burst into the room. Here before us stood a man holding a guitar case. Up or down, big man? asked this young man. Up or down? Who are you? He peeked in and checked the buttons. Just on for a joyride. Taking your kitten for a walk, he asked. Say, you wouldn't mind if I hitch a ride up to 24? Don't have a pass that high, but there's a girl waiting on me, and I've got a tune I wanted to play for. He was a hippie. That's what history would have called him. And judging by the guitar case, he did have a tune in mind. We gave him the entire left side of the room, but it was the kitten that took the initiative with the first introduction. She's soft, said the hippie petting her. Cicero took one sniff and it was good enough. Then the apostle nodded to inform us that this was a good man, and both the kitten and I felt it too. The hippie leaned closer and focused in on her pupil under the eye slit in T. Hammond's mask. You tripping? asked the hippie. Which ones did he take? He was pointing at the bag of quality drugs in my grip. Oh, right. I had the orange mushrooms. I'm a bit suspicious of all those pills. Yeah, man. It's best for the mind to manage the illusion, not to dull it with pills. But those mushrooms, he paused. You're onto something with those. The man winked and pulled an orange mushroom out of his chest pocket. A quick nibble pulled the stem through his lips for a snack. Smiling now, the hippie began humming a tune when he pressed the button of the 24th gate. The door jolted shut and the gray box started moving again. I heard about a guy like you, said the hippie. There's a rumor about the one-eyed Jack. They say he's a bit like a beast, not quite a demon, but too run down to be an angel. They say he's stuck somewhere in the middle, but you don't seem so bad to me. Hmm, I paused. And what side are you on? Which side? I'm on all sides, man. I'm on our side. The hippie paused. I used to be a soldier before I found the pyramid, but once you see a war with your own eyes, well, I'd let the world destroy me before I shoot someone again. Yeah, man, I'm on the side that the rest of life is on. I stand with the living because if you're against somebody, then you're not with us. This isn't a good place, I told the hippie, 
You should leave when you get the chance. The nature outside will welcome you if... Oh, I know, said the hippie. We're flying out of here the first chance we get. Fly. But you don't have any wings, I wondered. Got my wings in the case, he added right back. The hippie knelt beside the guitar and popped the latches on the case open. It was empty. No instrument at all. Only a few twigs, a couple leaves, and in the very corner, the man reached in to cradle a little ladybug. Mounting his finger, the little bug came to life and crawled aboard the hippie's hand. It stood on its hind legs and took a peek at me. Oh, she's the perfect little one, filled with so much life. We're just waiting for the right time before we run for it, said the hippie, and then you'll escape. All we need is a fire, a big one, but I can't find a match anywhere, said the hippie. Fire. Why? Smoke, fumes, and fire can force every door open at once. It's programmed into the pyramid safety protocol, in case of an emergency, of course. Because even with all the magic in here, the ancients knew that fire is the almighty destroyer. Enough fire in these walls, and all the smoke will suspend the magic until someone summons this place again. I even heard that the king gets nervous when someone lights a match, said the hippie. The magic door chimed when the 24th floor opened before the man tilted his head to bid us farewell. Where is your king? Burns the third? He's on the top. Floor 28, said the hippie, reaching in to press the 28th button. Everything happens for a reason, the hippie winked. Or at least that's what the mushrooms keep telling me. The ladybug and the hippie looked on while our portal closed. The numbers climbed up in silence to the highest floor. And if I survive, shouted Cicero, my life will have served its purpose. But if I perish, I want you to keep my skull. What? Can you say that again? The door opened and Cicero's claws sprawled out in a high-flying attack. It was aggressive, well-intended, but not the least bit lethal. Only empty space for now, but there were two stocky guards with guns at the end of this hall. And behind them there were two giant golden doors, a sure sign that this was the king's room. Guns, I whispered to the animals. A wave of energy was glowing as we approached. Oh, wow, it's happening again. Geometric patterns arrived beneath my feet when the whole room began flourishing. Funneling energy carried me out of the body as if I was weightless, looking down at myself from above, as if my soul was slipping out from the skin. I was paranoid now, and whatever gratitude I found on the lower levels was gone. The closer we got, the less present I became, and the worse my panic grew. These men had weapons real ones, and if I didn't get this right, then we might be dead. Best case, in a few hours, they'd find all the prisoners gone and trace it back to us. Cicero's battle experience was also a concern. They say he's a legend, but had anyone seen him fight? You never know with people who run sprints. There's a reason they're better runners. And how would a kitten do against bullets? She's smaller, I suppose. Do you have all nine lives? I think so. But what do we do? Scratch him, meowed the kitten. But I don't have any claws. Hide in the bag, I told Cicero. They won't suspect anything from a kitten. After scooping him up in the bag of quality drugs, the kitten trotted beside me with the leash secured around her neck while I rocked my head in a circle. The copper helmet rotated like a loaded spring, a bullet ready to burst, and my eye focused in on the first soldier. The kitten and I stopped before him at the exact same moment. Hello there. We have a meeting with the king. I take it he's behind the doors. Who do you think you are? asked the soldier. The name's Collie Jack, and we're here to see the king. Please, it's important business. I swear it. Not today. He's occupied, said the guard. 
I was running out of juice, exhausted and desperate. There's only so far the body can go before the soul acts up. The visuals on the gray wall were deceiving me again, and the longer we waited, the worse it got. Was this some sort of joke? But why weren't these men laughing about it? I said, please. And what the hell is that? Is that a cat? On a leash? Ask the other guard. Well, it's a kitten. And her name... I looked down at her orange-striped face. Well, I'm afraid we just call her Kitten. Get out of here. Stop wasting my time, will ya? Said the soldier. Time, yes. It is important, but I'm afraid we're running out of it as well. My fingertips were running across each other as I checked his badge. Ramsey or Pamsey. I couldn't read well and... Say, Amsey, I take it you've done well to get to this point, have you? You got that right. Ever heard of Space Force? I imagine they're special and they use force. I'll force your ass back in that elevator if you don't shut your mouth, said the man pointing at the magic door. Mmm, elevator. Meow, said the kitten. Cicero stayed silent in the bag. Smart opossum. No, I do understand you have a duty, and that duty is of the utmost importance for our winning squad, eh? But as you pointed out earlier, even time is of the essence, because, well, we're dying. All of us are, and some of us will die faster than others. So again, before both of us run out of time, the king invited us here. King Burns the Third never told me, said the guard. Not happening. Hmm. Any ideas? I began to raise the bag. Little did the big man know that Cicero's impeccable body was about to bash his skull to a pulp. Is that right? Well, do you know who I am? It was a good question, and so I lowered the bag to contemplate it myself. Oh, shit. It was I who said it. Well, T. Hammond must have said it. But now even I was waiting for an answer. The guard turned his head to the left when I realized I might be in trouble. Now an entire array of answers rippled through the depths of my free mind. I didn't know if I could narrow it down to one thing or the other. I'd been an observer, a wanderer, a history keeper, an embarrassment, a mushroom supporter, an addict. But now, who had I become? These guards were waiting. Do you know what I am? I think I said it right the first time. You're an extractor, said the guard. He was right. Damn it, he was spot on and this was terrible news because I realized that I was just as bad as them. Goodness, you are correct. I held on to his shoulder after I almost fainted. And do you know what happens in extraction? Both guards were tuning in. I felt their focus come into my pupil. Oh, I had a grip on them now. Ma set a trap and they were stepping right into it. Two tiny rays of light were glowing from their foreheads as the geometrical source was flowing into me. They were listening while fantastic shapes evolved and spewed all around, but we needed to focus. Because if my answer was less than impressive, I imagined things would get messy quick. I had their attention, but how was the kitten still smiling? Goodness, she hadn't a clue what could be coming. Well, I'm part of the war that goes on in here, I tap my helmet. Oh yes, there's a battle in the brain, and I'm responsible for making the prisoners go. Well, how do I say it? Just say it. Absolutely insane. Have you ever seen someone lose their mind? It's not a quaint sight. Both guards were curious. I'd lost my mind before, but these two hadn't a clue what it felt like. It's hard to tell someone what happens, since you have to experience it for yourself to understand. Everyone thinks they're just a body, living in a world, but I'd seen the land without human skin and bones. And these people hadn't a clue there was a life beyond this dimension. Well, I can't tell you who did it, but I can tell you what I saw. Deep down in extraction, they have a screen that explains various punishments. Because the first time I saw this screen, I remember a gentleman who was filleted with a knife up under his chin. They pressed the blade up behind his nose as it went into his forehead. 
It started right here. I even saw the knife sever his tongue in half as he screamed for help. And it's quite a scene to see a man's brain leak through his throat. I suppose the universe works in a peculiar way because another man, my goodness, we put the same blade through his heart. And he did have a good heart until it stopped. See, the blood is easy to clean off these gloves, but it's the smell that never seems to leave. And well, I don't know if his heart burst or just popped, but either way, that's why we smell the way we do. The soldier's counterpart took a whiff of me, and he did not enjoy it. And another man I saw. Oh, this one is my least favorite. Have you seen a bear trap? My fingers were dancing in the air. Light rippled across the sleek black gloves, and what a flamboyant show it was. Because yes, these are our fingers, and they were up to something far more than dancing. It was extravagant air pirouetting, a magnificent performance indeed, all free of charge and dazzling under man-made light. And who added these tiny flashes? Was I doing it, or was it doing it to me? A bear trap. That's the second card. Yes, a bear trap is quite strong, and do be careful opening it. Thankfully, someone else opened it. Hmm, I bet it was Reynolds. I'm sure Reynolds opened it, because... You know Reynolds? Asked the guard. Do I know Reynolds? I put my hands on my hip. That's so silly, because we were just together a minute ago. He was in on all this, too. I owe that man my life. He fought beside me in the Great War, said the guard. I pictured the silhouette of Reynolds screaming in his chair as he cried for help. Oh, goodness, I must have forgotten to unlock his shackles. Well, uh, I'd consider our relationship a special one. The guard picked up the device on his shoulder and spoke. King, you there? Give him the big sad eye. Make sure he sees it. Yes, yes, said the king after sniffing his nose and coughing. What is it now? A guy named... The guard snapped his fingers at me. Macaulay Jack. Jack. Jack from Extraction is here to see you, said the guard. Of course. Send him in at once, said the king. The door opened, where a circular table full of generals waited in the center of the room. There was enough light to see a dozen or so half-naked women, drenched in oil, standing behind the card table while a haze of smoke lingered above. A deck of cards was being shuffled while the preacher sat beside another half-naked girl. Get him a man, Mosa, said the king, pointing at a girl. Extra vodka and a splash of champagne. That's a bunch of generals and a whole lot of women. So what now? Please don't mess up, whispered the kitten. I wasn't paying attention because all I kept thinking about was Ma, the great matriarch of blades, when my finger slipped into my side pocket to feel the spine of the arrowhead. All of us were waiting on her command.